Hi everyone, this is Dr. Rita Taylor, author of His Strength in My Weakness, A Journey of Brokenness, Breakthrough, and Transformation. Welcome to Unleashing Unlimited Power. Today we have a guest from Peers in Antigua, Ms. June Jackson. She's here with us today to talk about Shattered American Dream. Welcome, June. Hello, welcome, thank you, and welcome to you as well. Thank you for having me, it is indeed a pleasure. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. I'm doing great. So let me get this straight. You were two years behind me in Pierce Secondary. Correct. And you live, okay, now I have no sense of direction, but I'm going to say it's the east because west, the houses were not that close, but you were to the east of Pierce School, correct? Correct, correct. Not oh, to the immediate, okay. but two houses away. Oh, okay. Okay. So I'm right on track here. All right. <laughs> it is That's great right. to have you. It's good to have you. Now I hear Pierce is celebrating their 50th year. Yes, they are. Um, it is sad that I didn't get a chance to be a part of it. There's quite so much going on at work. And I did really need a, a vacation, to be honest with you. I haven't had a serious vacation in three years. So I needed some time away, but I did tune into the um, church service that he had via Zoom, and it was quite good. It was interesting to see the president in our uniform, you know. Oh, nice, yeah. nice. Yeah. That's good, that's good. Well, once again, welcome. Um, it's, it's, it's just great to have you on the show. So today we're going to talk about, like I said, Shattered American Dream. Um, mm -hmm. Tell us about... Uh, a little bit about you to start. Tell us just a little bit about you. Okay. Um, as you rightfully said, to the east of Pierce Secondary School, Pierce Village in Antigua and Barbuda. And I grew up in a small home with um, three other siblings, my, my mom and my dad. And our background was centered around church. You know, when you raise up in a Christian home, what you know is church and school. You know, so that was my environment, you know. Um, I did go to Pierce Secondary, um, and thereafter I went to the University of South Carolina. And that is where I was um, studying um, business management. And that, that is where my journey educationally started, then coming back to Antigua and becoming a teacher, which is something I wanted to do from an early childhood, you know. And going back to teaching at my own school, here secondary school, you know. So that was just something that was really, really good in terms of me going back to my school and basically giving back, if you want to call it that, you know, even though you're being paid to be a teacher. But it was indeed a pleasure going back to my own home school, my alma mater, you know. So um, that was my journey, basically going back into the teaching arena, which was not really... And, you know, I could not deal with it after a while because my mom passed and she was the cafeteria, um, you know, the cafeteria lady, as we call it, at the same school that I was teaching. So that really had, um, it put a damper on me and I really could not deal with going back, not seeing her, you know. So I actually went into the private sector where I was um, a accounts payable and receivable clerk at one of our only airline catering company in Antigua, Goddard Catering. I was there for like 16 years, thereabouts, you know. So that was where my, my life took me for 16 years. And then 
back into teaching because, you know, sometimes when you want stability with your children and yes. you realize, okay, I'm teaching this particular age. And to be honest with you, you want to make certain you give your children what you would not have gotten. You would have right. gotten some, but not all. You know, so for me, it took me back to making a decision of stability, giving my children time. And I actually went to teach office administration, my pet peeve. Because, I mean, I, I believe in, in, in office administration, business management. That is just me, you know. Right. And uh, yeah, I was at, at that center, moving from the office administration tutor, and then to the job placement coordinator. And now I'm the executive director of the center. Right. So it's quite a journey, a successful journey, let me say that, in terms of my career and also my, my path of work experience. Good, 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 good. So what we're going to do now, we're going to go into the topic. And like I said, we're just having a conversation, okay? So how yes. did you meet your husband and when did you? Ex-husband. Uh, I met my husband in 1988. Um, you know, it's interesting, you know, when you speak about that kind of journey because meeting him was in church, you know? Okay. As I said to you, it's church. You know church, you know camp. You know, um, revival services. I don't know if you remember those times when yes, church had yes. revival services and you got to go, you know. And I actually met him in my, um, my fifth form year, actually. We went to a revival service. And, you know, you just talk to somebody just casually, you know. But I knew my parents and what they stand for. So I, I ensured that um, our conversation was very casual and that our conversation wasn't really speaking about boyfriend and girlfriend because that's the term we use in Antigua, boyfriend and girlfriend. And um, that is where I actually met him, in church, actually. So we both were a part of the church. Was this kind of like love at first sight for you? For me, I would say that. I would say it's love at first sight. And, you know, growing up, you have this concept of your, your journey, as an adult, I don't know if you do it, um, Dr. Taylor, but I would say to myself, um, the guy that um, really wins my heart and even more my intimacy, let's put it that way, he's going to be my husband. Right. That was the only male I ever knew in my entire life. I knew no other male in my entire life. So that was the person who ended up, you know, um, I will take you to a journey that is so interesting because I can recall going to making a decision to do something with my life educationally. And that is where I, I applied for a scholarship and got the scholarship to the University of South Carolina. And it's interesting that in my last year, you know, we reconnected again, you know, because, you know, they have this term, long distance relationship does not last. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it yeah. is a struggle, you know. And for me, I wanted to focus on my education. Because I had a father who would say, when I spend money, I want justice. And he didn't mean it in a negative way, you know. He meant it that when you spend money on your education, you have to ensure you get what you are supposed to get, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and that stuck in my mind throughout my journey until that last year when I was to graduate, like the December. We connected probably about the Valentine evening. Somebody gave me my number who I used to, you know, that, that time you were writing letters, 
you know, and didn't have phone, cell phone, that kind of way. So I wrote a letter to a friend and she gave him my number connected, you know. So the connection came back again, you know, and that is where it actually started. All over again, start to think about, you know, your feelings for this person. So, yeah, it was just interesting. Um, the evening, uh, the evening before my graduation, I can recall I got a phone call from my dorm coordinator who said to me, oh, there's somebody here to see you. And I'm like, see me, you know. I didn't expect nobody to come see me. You understand me? Dr. Taylor, it's just, you, you wouldn't understand, you know. And I'm like, nobody in South Carolina other than my peers, you know. Anyway, I said, okay, no problem. And of course, I'm a person, I like to be prepared. So I did not go anywhere without ensuring that I'm dressed properly. So I went down to the hallway because you had to go five floors down. And there I was, I saw this gentleman in front of me, and I'm like, how did you get here? You know, that's another story about his journey to get into me. You know, the evening of my graduation, he bought, he bought an um, engagement ring. And that was my, my, my graduation gift. Yes. Nice. So, you know, it was just, yeah. So you walked, before, you walked across the platform to get your diploma very excited and then even more excited because you just got engaged. So it's safe exactly. to say you on cloud nine. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Oh, I my mean, gosh. That's just, so it's just something different, you know? And then to hear the journey, you know, when you start to catch up. How did you get here? How did you know I'm here, you know? How did you find my address? You know, you, you start asking questions, but that was a lot. That's another long story. <laughs> yeah, but that, yeah. that was awesome. That was really yes. nice. I know I would have been blown away. Oh my yes, God. That was like your Cinderella ball right there for you. Yeah. And after the graduation, what actually happened, I was staying with a family, a husband and wife, who he's a bishop, you know, and um, I actually had to introduce him to them. And they were like, how did he get here? Because South Carolina is just, just down the road, you know catching all these different flights and in transit to get to a particular location, you know. So I did introduce to them, you know, because I was actually living with them at one point before I went on my own. So, and they were, I mean, they were elated of the whole journey. We actually went dinner together as a family, you know. But, yeah, that journey was different. It was, it was. So how soon did you get married after the engagement? Well, actually, after I came back home, we decided to start working on our own home because his concept was that you should not get married and live in a rent house. You should get married and live in your own house. So we started Good thinking man. about drawing a plan and building the house out of your own pocket, meaning every week or every month you would buy materials to do something because his family has that background, contractual background. So they were able to, on a weekend, I would say, okay, I'm going to cook this weekend. Let's work on the foundation, you know? So it was that kind of thing that, you know, that really showed, should I say, like mind at that time, that we both wanted the same thing. So it took like about a year and a half before I actually got married because we wanted to finish the home. Right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that, that, I applaud that. That was, that was really good. Trying to get your own home as opposed to living in a rental home. That was really good. So let me ask you, you guys got married. Up, to that, up until that point, it was fairy tale. It was good. Everything was working, coming together very nicely. 
you guys got married. How long were you married before you had children? Um, about, let me see, 93, about five years, actually. And those were the best years of my life, right? Those were the best years of the marriage, let's be honest. And, nice. and, and that's something as women, we, we need to be honest in terms of, you know, when there is good and when there is bad. You can speak right. about the good movie, but you also can speak about, you know, you don't have to be so intimate about the bad moments, but you can speak about right. it knowing that you would have gone through a journey. I mean, those five years were, were awesome. I mean, we because we didn't we didn't owe anybody for a home or anything that we right. had. Because, right. I mean, I was going to Puerto Rico. I was going to St. Thomas. You know, you were just traveling because at that time, hey, no you didn't have per se. You know. Right. But, right. Um, and those were the first, first five years of that journey. You know, it was good. I I can be honest with you. <laughs> yes. My first daughter is, I had in 98, you know, 1998, which was five years after we got married. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So what changed? Sometimes in life, and, and, and to be blunt like this, sometimes in life we don't see what we're supposed to see when we're in love. We think with our heart and not really. I agree. You know? Um, young, you're young, you're in the church, you're in every, almost every activity for church, you teach Sunday school, you're on the board, you know, sometimes these things are not really the, the you're not hoping that it happened, you're not wishing that it happened, but you think that you would have addressed any issues at the onset, you know, and uh, things get away that you did not realize that never, was never, um, what should I say, the term should I use? It, will, it, it, it never stopped. It came into the marriage, if you see what I'm saying. Right. So lifestyle is a funny thing when you're not mature enough to realize this. And my, I, I change the way I think. I change the way I, I should act. I change the way that I should be here because I now have a family. So sometimes it's not really easy for some people to look at it and say, okay, this is how I should be behaving as a mature Let's say married man, married woman, because uh, it goes both ways for, for, right. for some relationships, you know? So um, it, it, it's like you, you lost track of what should happen. You know you're doing the right thing. You're cooking, you're cleaning, you're washing, you're taking care of the children, you know? But there's some, some situations that you did not observe that was going on, and you take it as, okay, I'm all, I, I mean, my partner's always working. You know, and you think that it that it is the right thing to do because you're taking financial care of your family at that time. Right. So sometimes things can be well, just go through the door without you realizing that hey, this is something for an eye opener or a red flag for you to to zoom into. You know. So it was like a year six, into the sixth year thereabout. You know that that things started looking different. You started observing inconsistencies in our conversations. Um, why should something simple tick you off, if you want to call it that? Why should something so simple make you angry? Why should you want to work 24-7 you have a family? Where is your family time? So sometimes these things, we lose track of them when we think that our partner or ourselves are doing the right thing to take care of our family financially. You know, so 
Yeah, that 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 was that was a hard one because it keep it 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 keep occurring. Why the arguments at this point in time in your life? You, you know, I mean, you're going to have um, differences, and we all have difference of opinion, you know. But at the same time, some things that you think that should not tick off your partner, it does, you know. And sometimes you you don't realize there's a reason or rationale for it until it gets later in the later somewhere down the line. You realize, oh, so that's the reason why you got upset. Because you had an ulterior motive, you know. So, yeah. So that was the the, the situation at that time. Did you guys consider counseling? Was there premarital counseling? Um, as I said earlier in our conversation, everything for me is church, right? For right. me, my home is a place where any pastor that is coming to Antigua, who is coming, whether for training or for anything, they would my home would be a home. Anybody would call and say, you, you have space for two weeks for so-and-so, you know? And I would say, sure, no problem. I mean, and I, I would I would host them. I would cook. I would make certain they're fine. Even um, I laughed many times that one of my friends who got married to a pastor, he said the first person to iron what we call the pastor's gown when they were being ordained was me, you know? <laughs> I mean, you laugh at that journey. That's not an island. Yes, because that's you talking about almost 10 yards of fabric. A lot of material, yes. I remember what they wear. No <laughs> creases at all, you know. So, you know, sometimes when you think about it, you say to yourself, wow, that was really a journey, you know. But these are the, the pastors of who I connected to quite a lot. And there's one pastor in particular who... Well, he's my daughter's godfather, up until now, because he considers my children his children. We used to talk, and there were times that, you know, he had to intervene in some of the, the inconsistencies in the arguing and stuff like that. So, I mean, when you have someone who, whose ego would say, I don't need a boy to counsel me, they, they need counseling themselves. Ah, you wonder, hmm. So do I really need counseling or do I need counseling personally, you know, because it seems as if I am the issue and you try to correct things about yourself, not realizing that it takes two right. to make all this happen. Yes. It's not, yes. own, you know, and, and I that say to children during the journey, I am not perfect, but one thing I can say to you, if I do something to offend someone, I am going to correct it. You know, but sometimes you correct things that you're not to be blamed for, you know? Yeah, to keep the peace. Most men, they don't agree to counseling. It's, it's a male thing, pretty much. They, um, men are fixers, and they mm -hmm. like to believe that they can fix the things that is wrong in the home. So right. um, your husband, ex-husband, I'm sorry, is not right. singled out in that aspect because men on the whole they do not like to be counseled they really don't and you will find that when this problem in the marriage they said um we can fix that we can work on that but then they don't talk yeah. <laughs> so then it creates another problem they don't want to talk to someone else and then they don't want to talk but they rather just go and fix things in their way of doing it so in their defense, that, that's nothing against your husband, that one. So let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Who asked for the divorce? Well, um, to be honest with you, 
I didn't ask for a divorce. Um, I was tired of the irreconcilable differences to an extreme. It was to an extreme, you know? And it happened one day that I was so tired and fed up. I went to teach a class at Antigua State College, I remember. And I was up there and I'm thinking, Lord, I have to go home to all this arguing. And, you know, there were times that the arguing would have gotten to a, a level where it might have been violent, you know. And I said, Lord, I, ca I can't do this, you know. And I went home. I took up my children from school. And I went home. And let me tell you what I took out of that marital home that we, we um, built together. I took my three children. I took their school clothes, an internet box, because they have to do their schoolwork, an right. internet box, and I went in my vehicle, because I had my own vehicle, you know? And that's what I took. I did not know where I was going. I did not want my father, because as I said, my mom passed years ago. I did not want my father to know about it, because you know how, how I don't know, there are some fathers who are very, very particular with their girl children. And I know that he would not take it lightly to know that, you know, this is what is happening, you know. I, I can say to you, though, it, it got really bad that um, I had to go to the police station and, you know, these kind of things. And people say, a woman like you who is very particular and you have to go to the police station, that is something. Because he came to my workplace and I tell you, it was not anything, I mean, just a person. You know, and I said to myself, no, I can't go home to that. And I took my children. Dr. Taylor, I didn't know where I was going. All I know, I had my vehicle. And one thing I, I said, I said, Lord, I know I'm humble enough to stay in my vehicle. But I did not want my father to know then. It took a week of me being out of the marital home for him to find out. And, you know. Okay, how do you manage that? Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, stay right there. How you manage, girl, we know Antigua is yay big. How you manage to stay a whole week without your dad finding out? Let, well, me, let me take a sip of this one, go ahead. Let me, let me tell you what happened. Um, <laughs> who's near and dear to my heart. When my mom passed, she said to my mom, she's going to take care of me. And I, my, my godmother lives in, the, in Canada. And I had a key for her home. So in case anybody comes down, I get it cleaned up. And, you know, so they, they, they're here. And as I said, I had my internet box, my children's school stuff, their uniform, everything, oh. whatever I had for them. And three days close for myself because I had to go and teach. Right? And as I was in and out, bathing, making sure that they're good to go in my godmother's place until eventually I said it to her before my dad found out. But interesting enough is that where my godmother lives, it doesn't have the public utilities water. And when the, the current comes off, you cannot use it. Everything it's is off. <laughs> Everything so, is off. <laughs> yes, when my, my dad, so I was sitting down with him on the step and we were talking and everything. So I said to the children, well, you all just don't go bathe so that when you go home, you don't have to worry about that, you know. But then he noticed that eight o'clock came and I was still sitting down there talking to them. And he knows that I'm not like that. You know, by the time it comes a particular time, I go home and take care of the children, homework, everything. Mm -hmm. But because I knew there wasn't any electricity at that time, we did homework early. So I had enough time to sit and chat, you know? And he said, 
tell me something. What is really, really going on? He said, why are you not going home? You know? And that, that, that was because he knows he, when, when a father or mother knows their children, they know what you would and would not do, you know? And I said to him, you know, there's something I have to say to you. So he said, I said, let's walk. So we walked to the entrance of the, the, the gate and we stood up there we talked. And before I could speak, I broke down. Because I didn't want him to know that after so many years, and let me tell you, I walked out on my 20th year of marriage. Wow. 20 years, wow. and I walked, and I left him. And he got angry, you know, and you know fathers, you know. He was saying, well, this is not, what, is, what are you going to do? Where are you going to stay? I said, I'm fine. I already spoke to my God, but she said, stay right where you are. Your home is my home, you know. So, and that is how he found out eventually, Dr. T. I had to hold it because, I mean, he didn't see me very often, but then he saw me on this particular day and just, I'm just casually sitting down talking, you know? So it was just different for him. So you, you, you can't tell your daddy a lie. You understand yeah. me? That's the thing when he finds out, you know? So I had to be blank and point blank with him. So that is how he found out after a week. That's what um. happened. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Was he upset? <laughs> he was upset with me. He was upset with the situation and how it transpired. You know? And and the fact that you know, you're not people who get involved with police and stuff like that. I said, you did all of this and, and nobody knew. I said, No, because I know the kind of temperament you guys have. I know what may turn out of it. So I just I just kept it on the low. You right. know. I, I, right. I don't like confusion. Let's put it that way. So I prefer yeah. to suck it up, do what I have to do, and then move on. So you've been divorced how long? Nine years. Nine years? Would you yes. say? Coming yeah. on nine years. The third year nine is years. It's going to make nine years. So your American dream got shattered. I apologize <laughs> for that. So how did it affect your children? Well, um, my children, the first two had to go counseling. I had to take, especially my daughter, because she couldn't understand at that point now, you're a single parent, right. three children. You're accustomed to get everything you want because at that time there, were, there, was, there were two monies coming in the home. I mean, I had a really good job, you know, but then it reached a point where you are now not in that kind of position. So things are going to change. Right. So right. at the age of 15, she was in third form, actually, when that happened, you know? So I had to end up taking my son to a counselor. I had to take her to a counselor. You know, it took a while for them to understand what was really happening. I, I think today, my son has not given up the fact that um, the way I was treated, he can accept that. You know, he said, he I, I can't treat anybody's child like that, mommy. I can't, you know. So, so that was a struggle for him. So to have a conversation with his father is, is a tense situation. Even though for me as a mother, I don't, I don't tell my children things about their, their father. I allow them to find out, you know, what is happening. Yes, I, I, that's best. I be, you know, so I, I do that at, at all because you don't want them to feel like, Oh, my mom is the perfect person and my dad is the villain. No, that's not what you want. But you want them to understand realistically 
this is what transpired and this is what I saw for myself, you know? So um, he has a struggle still at his age. He's going to be 22 in December and he still has a struggle coming to grips with the fact that this had to happen to both of his parents. Right, right. Yeah. Right. And I can only imagine that no matter what you say, it doesn't make it any easier because children, they, some, most of the time they gravitate towards their mom, especially the sons. Um, right. I can relate, I can relate to that because my boys, um, I didn't tell them what happened. They gravitated mm -hmm. to me, of course, but then um, they still have this, yeah, energy, lots mm -hmm. of energy towards their dad. Yeah, right. that was a really, really mature and wise decision you made sending them for counseling. I applaud you on that because yeah. counseling, it doesn't have to just happen because you're directly involved in the situation. Sometimes even right. if you're indirectly involved, it affects you. So that was a really um, good move you, in my voice is. Yes, that's fine. Yeah, but you see, you see um, Dr. Taylor, what I've learned during my journey at um, that center is that I have to deal with young people who are vulnerable. Vulnerable in many, 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 many ways. I mean, I see some things and it's not even funny. And you have to address it not only personally, but finding um, professional persons to deal with the different issues that are there. And I did not want to live in denial where my children are concerned. So for me, I thought that was the best thing for them. And I, I wanted to allow them to speak without me being there for them to think, okay, I have to say what my mommy wants me to say. I had to step out of the room, which was the most painful part, and allow them to speak to a total stranger. Even though I knew who the counselors were, male and female, I knew who they were, but still they would have to speak in my absence. But I, see, I didn't fear anything, you know? because I know my children will be very blunt and straight up. Um, right now, my daughter, because of that journey, she writes well. So she will sit and she'll write poems. She will write journals upon journals, you know. Um, it takes my son, um, what you say, we say locally, force make water go uphill. If he reaches <laughs> a point where, where he realizes that he cannot... He, he cannot deal with it anymore. He will sit and he will write or he will draw. And that's I haven't heard that saying in a long time. Yeah. Make water yeah. go up here. I haven't heard that yeah. in forever. But sometimes that's what it takes, especially with guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, they can be a little stubborn. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And then they, they don't express themselves like the girls would. You know, you know what, what is in a girl's heart because she will pour out herself to her mother. But boys are not, in, in, you know, they're not like that. You know, it takes a lot for them to really speak. And they will speak intelligently to make you feel like if you're, you don't understand what they're saying. Because sometimes my son would use some words and I have to look at him and say, ah, you forget that I'm a teacher, you know? Because he would want to use terms that he, you know, would make you feel as if you don't know the words that he's using, you know? But, Or they could yeah. be like mine. Or they could be like mine. Um, they talk street and they're like, my, you don't understand that. So it doesn't even make any sense. I talk to you because you don't understand what I'm saying to begin with anyway. So that's the, the way of popping out. Yeah. So they don't want to talk yeah. about it. So I know. So what's yeah. the, um, your daughter's relationship with her dad? Well, that took really a long journey um, for her 
um, because she was my daddy's girl, the first one. Um, the, the journey was really tough for her because during that time, okay, she had to study for CXP after, you know, a good two years after uh, walking out. She, she had to study for CXP and all she knew, mommy had to be there morning, noon, and night, whatever class I have to go, whatever time class finishes. I mean, and the understanding that your daddy cannot be there was really difficult for her. I think what um, the breaking point for her was when she went to Antigua State College, where she realized that sometimes I'm in a meeting and she has to wait. And, you know, she realized, okay, if my daddy was alone, I could have called him and asked right. him to pick me up. But the fear of not able to relate to him made it difficult for her. It took her until she got to, because um, she actually went to Monroe, and it was really a, a, really a struggle for her because she had to be on her own, you yeah. know? We, we, we ended up having to do it together because I reached a point where I said to her, listen, this is more than I can. Um, when I went to my lawyer during that journey, she said to me, you have to have an amicable discussion with him where your children are concerned. She said, no law would give you your children like that unless they know how they're going to be provided for. So she said to me, speak to him, even though you're angry. But there's one thing that, that stood inside of me, Dr. Taylor, was when a prayer partner of mine said, until you can forgive him, you yes. will not be able to release him. Mm -hmm. And yes. I tell you, that, that, that was something I had to pray, 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 and ask God to give me a yeah. forgiving spirit uh, mm -hmm. until I be released. So I can tell you, we, we ended up having to speak wherever, whenever it comes to children, we're going to speak about it. I mean, there are times that sometimes I feel like I'm going to get annoyed with the responses at times, but I have to tell myself, okay. Don't get angry. You're trying to resolve something. So, you know, I have to speak to myself for me to really right. deal with the matter. Because, you know, as soon as one person gets ticked, everything else in the whole conversation, that's it. Everybody will start to shout. Mm -hmm. And I'm a shouter, and I know the shouting match will come across from him, you know. So, I mean, it was like, nah, I, I had to do something for my children. And I had to ensure that whatever I do by law, I'm doing the right thing. Because, you know, when it comes to children, Children have more rights than anybody else, you know? So I had to ensure whatever I do is the right thing. And that is what actually my forgiving him allowed the children to start, the, well, my daughter, my first daughter, to start to feel the urge to at least say something and speak about not what happens to her, but anything that's relating to her education-wise. Right. Yeah. And, and that, but, but now I, I can tell you, I, I keep saying to my children, because of that particular journey and the mature stance that I took with their concern and with his concern, we, we are friends. He can come and ask me anything where children are concerned. And yeah. to be honest, I, I would think, well, okay, he's my brother. So I respond <laughs> that way. You, I'm, I'm, no, come on now, come on. Now. Whatever, whatever works and get the job done, right? Whatever works yeah. and get the job done, so we get this conversation out the way. <laughs> yeah, we have to do it, you know. And 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 that is something that I learned along the journey. Just just he's your brother now. He's your brother now, so speak to your brother properly. You know that kind of thing, just to ensure that the children 
I mean, especially the last one, my last child is 13. You know, she's still yearning for attention. That yeah. is really a struggle for her to get because at the age of four and a, she wasn't five yet. You yeah, know? Yes. And um, it was a struggle for her. Even now, she's still trying to get his attention to realize when children, other children are with their dads, I feel a way. You know? Right. And I spend time with you. You know, but because of that gap that was built between the age of, of five, say, let's, let's round it off to five years. Right. Five years and teen. You're talking about approximately eight years of not knowing the bond that you should have with your father. So, you know, it, it, it has. It has been a struggle. It has. What would you have done differently? <laughs> oh, wow. That's a good question. Yeah. What would I have done differently? First of all, I got married before I was 23. I was young. And I said to myself, just imagine, you don't even know nothing about life as yet, and you're getting married at that age. For me, I would have waited a little more to be a little more mature in terms of being able to make decisions that would, I mean, maybe I would have still been married if I was more mature into getting into the marriage. I could be wrong. But at the same time, you would be a little more wiser in terms of how you right. respond to things, you know? But the, the tolerance level would have been built as well so that you're able to know how to deal with it. So, I mean, for me, maybe I would have waited a little later on in life before I got married, if I was to do it all over again. I love your answer. Um, as you're <laughs> speaking, I'm thinking, I myself got married young. I was 22. And you're right. It, it takes a mature mind to get married that young and both have to be on the same page. And when it's not, it makes things really harder. But you're right. Um, a little bit older would mean maturity as well as it would, your tolerance level would have been different. So um, I right. agree with that. I got married at you know, young, 22. And you tell yourself, you know, when you're going to be married forever, I have my American dream, you know, my husband, my white parents, my children, my dream job. And then when everything goes crazy, it's like it, everything comes shattered down. So, I, I mean, right. I understand exactly what you mean by that. Um, right. Let me ask you another question. What do you believe in your opinion is the number one problem in marriages today? Communication. Um, you see, um, communication is, a, is always going to be a challenge, especially um, when both parties, your backbone are different. And when you come from very backgrounds where, okay, maybe I'm accustomed to communicating because I am accustomed to communicate. My, my, my whole childhood years going to school, they call me my daddy because everything I say to them, my daddy will do that. My daddy will do that. Not that I don't have a good communication with my mom, but for me, I, I think my father, he would sit down, because you have a hardworking mother, he would sit down and ensure everything is, handwriting is perfect, you, you add in correctly, you're doing mental arithmetic, you know? And um, I think the communication between my father and I is something that was very strong, you know? Um, it, it allowed me to be able to know how to communicate. I can sit down and communicate with any male friend of mine and we have a good conversation because I listen to my father and how he speaks and his expectation. And one thing he always says to us, 
communication is key in any marriage. Because before my mom passed, they were married for like about 38 years before she passed, you know? And he always stresses communication. So that is something that stuck with me. I, I mean, you can have communications with, communication where you disagree, but at the same time, you can understand at the end of it, all of us have difference of opinion. We just got to respect each other. So that, 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 that would be my take on that. So you had this relationship with your dad. So I'm gathering you were hoping that your children or even your both daughters had the same relationship with their dad. Uh-huh, exactly. And for me, what was very, very strong in the latter part of, of the, the, the separation, when we, we were separated for a while, and my dad used to be the one who would, would use my vehicle because, I'm, as I say, sometimes I'm in so many meetings, you know, and he, I would leave the vehicle with him and say, you know, they have to finish. This one finished school that time, that one finished school that time, and he would pick them up. And when he picks them up, they have a conversation. And I, I said to you, foundation, it's, when it comes to spirituality and the Bible, when they reach home by him and they finish, he makes sure they finish eat and everything, do their homework. And when, they, when he's finished with them, they're sitting down on the bed and he have them memorizing scriptures that he would have done with us as a child. So they, they created a bond with him that was, I mean, even my last daughter had that bond with him before he passed, you know? So they were able to get the the actual latter years of a father from my father, which is their grandfather. So, so that is very strong in terms of, of their lifetime of being with a father. Not, we wouldn't say fatherless, but an absent father. Yeah. You said one thing about <clears throat> the difference in culture, it being different. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I'm sorry, bear with me, my voice. You said one thing about the culture. What did you mean by that, the difference in culture? Um, in our culture, let's take it Antigua, Caribbean people. You know how Caribbean people are when it comes to, to family. And um, I think being raised in a, in a home with a mother and father who is married and looking around at some of your friends who, who had that same situation, you're able to connect because... Culture can be your way of life. And my way of life is a mother and a father being in a home, married and being in a home. And that is what I knew throughout all, even to my adult life, until my mom would have passed, where my dad passed three years ago as well. But that is what I knew from my early upbringing. So for me, it's like there is a connection culturally where we know that your mommy, your daddy gone home, or your mommy got to work, daddy gonna come home later. You know, so there, there is always a, a connection between your mother and your father being in the same home. So when we look at a situation where now you have to, you didn't actually give it up, but you had to give it up. Right. And children don't know what it's like for even the adult life to have their mother and their father in a home. That is something that is that can be destructive mentally and emotionally for any young person. And, and we see that a lot in our young people, uh, especially our girls, because I do watch some of my young people and, and, and I observe their conversation when they sit and talk with me. 
And even just recently, I saw a post by one of them that I would have thought that says, um, when a young woman yearns for the attention of her father and doesn't get it, and then all oh, you see the emoji, the emoji with the teardrops coming from the eyes. Um, that is that is painful, really, really, really painful. You know. So, yeah, our, our Caribbean culture is not that. you know, we, we are close knit. Let's put it that way, because sometimes we have extended families living in the same home. So if your father is not there, whether he passed or he rescinded his duties as a father. At least your uncle and your and your grandfather, they're there. Right, so there's right. in the home that culturally we can gravitate to. Yes, that is so true. And then when I when I was living in Antigua, I remember even the neighbors did their part because my mom, if she's not there, then you know my cousin who lives next door. Correct. Or just a neighbor friend or whatever, they would all chip in and help. They go here, get braided, and we off to school on time. Yeah, you're right about that. That's taking me way back remembering those years, and it's really good because going to a divorce, everybody kind of like, or any any hardship, not just divorce, it could be death of a love or anything. Everybody chips in and they do their part and make sure, you know, your kids are doing what they're supposed to do, be where they're supposed to be. It's nice. Um, it sounds like you really had um, a support system, and that was really good. Not only did you take your kids to get counseling, but you yourself speaking to your pastor friend was able to get some counseling on your own. That's really good, and, and I'm happy. I'm sorry about your dad. You said he passed away three years ago. I'm sorry about that. I know that must have been hard for you. Yeah, it, it was, you know, but at, at least, you know, throughout the journey, him being sick, because he passed from prostate cancer, him being sick, um, I ensure that I'm there every day. The children knows what it's like to take care of their grandfather. You understand me? So if we're not there, my sister and I or my brothers, whoever should be there, they take up the responsibility and look about their grandfather, you know? So they were able to, to see what it's like to take care of a father, even though it's their grandfather. Right. It sounds like you've instilled some very good values in them, how to care for each other, going to church, getting their schoolwork done on time. Sounds like you did an awesome job. That's really good. I'm happy to hear that. June, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Oh my I'm sorry about my voice. Um, it was okay That's this fine. morning. And then the devil tried to throw me off of this and then the voice went crazy. But I'm sorry about that. Um, now I could see why you could relate to my story after um, your posting. And you put on Facebook about you being able to relate to my book. It was really good. Now I see. And it, it always helps to know, not just that to hear someone going through something bad, but when we know that our problems are not singly ours, it helps to bear the burden. Because just hearing you tell yeah. your story makes me realize, okay, she's a strong woman. And she did mm -hmm. it with her children. And I'm sure that that's what you said when you read my book. You know? Yeah. That, that was, let me tell you, that was such a support because um, I think I saw it on, on the, the media. Social media. I didn't have, but yeah. at least you had your family. Yeah, we, we froze for a minute. Um, I think we're out of time right now, but I just want to tell you, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. It was a great pleasure i'm seeing you oh my goodness you're taking me way back to peer school years 
You look amazing too. Now let me ask you one question. Sure. Let me let me ask you one question, and this is for my pleasure. Are, are you getting married again? Will you get married again? Uh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't, but for me, God has to guide me to that process. And I think when oh. when and if I do, I, I know you know the lessons learned. Yes. Plus, you're more yeah. mature now. You have some experiences, which I'm hope I, I. It sounds like you've learned from them because that's what experience is supposed to do: teach us so that we see what we did versus what we mm -hmm. should have done. And right. I do hope you get married again. I, I really do hope you get married again because marriage is not all bad. Just because sometimes the end in divorce is not all bad. And you can't right. have your happy ever after. You can't have your American dream. It can be had. And I hope that you get that. Um, once again, thank you, thank you for, for being on the show. I appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> oh, my goodness. My voice is really going now. But it was a pleasure talking to you, June. And we'll have Thanks. to do this again sometime. We'll have to do sure. this again sometime. Thank you guys for tuning in to Unleashing Unlimited. Um, podcast with Dr. Rita Taylor. I um, hope you guys enjoy yourself. Thank you, June, and have a good day. Thank you, and to you as well. All the best.